see your lovely faces here this morning. I just want to share with you a few things this, uh, this morning in the time that's available. Just to say that a few years ago when I first, uh, or four or five years ago when I first came to this church, the elders at the time uh, spoke to me about some prophecies that had been given uh, to Hope. Now those of you who have been around for a long time will have heard these before. Those who have come in recent years may not have done and those people who've come in the last couple of weeks will certainly probably not have heard very much about that at all. But they'd been given to the church regarding the church becoming something which was called an apostolic house. Um, they told me, the elders at the time, that this had something to do with the equipping of people for works of service. But otherwise, this all talk about apostolic house was very strange and very weird. I mean, I've, in all my Christian life, I'd never heard of anybody talk about apostolic houses. And so, as others didn't know what it meant, uh, other people, the other elders and uh, the church members didn't have much idea what an apostolic house was, the whole idea got rather left for many years. Um, we didn't know really what it was. And in the last few months or beginning of this year, we started looking at this again much more seriously. We, we started looking at what was an apostolic house with some degree of purpose again. And uh, we are now as a church in the middle of transformation. Audrey brought a word to us uh, a week or two ago about transformation and emphasised that this transformation was not reformation. Reformation is something which we do to seek to amend or improve or restore the old. But what we're talking about is a complete change of form and function. We're talking about transformation. The word used in scripture for transformation, it's used three times. It's used when uh, Jesus took his disciples out to the Mount of Transfiguration and he was transformed before his disciples. That's one word that, that's, that's used. The word is metamorpho. The other is about renewing our minds in uh, Romans 12. We need to remove, we need to renew, transform our minds so we start thinking completely different. Uh, and the other is uh, in 2 Corinthians 3.18 about being transformed into God's glory as we gaze upon God and as we gaze upon Jesus, we are transformed more and more into his likeness. And this word transformation is metamorpho, as I said. And you can imagine this is something like metamorphosis. You may have heard the English word metamorphosis. And this is rather like changing from a caterpillar into a butterfly, or changing from a tadpole into a bullfrog. And as you consider that, you see there is a complete change from a caterpillar that is nothing like a butterfly. In fact, if you were to tell the caterpillar that it was become a butterfly, it wouldn't believe you. It wouldn't, you wouldn't understand what it was talking about because caterpillars just crawl around on the earth or they crawl around on twigs or on leaves and they munch and that's what they do all day and nothing else. They cannot contemplate or understand what it is to fly like a butterfly. And so we are in a similar situation. We have a difficulty 
in understanding what this metamorpho is all about. Because God is saying you are to be transformed from something that we cannot understand. It's, it's almost beyond our understanding. And we need the Holy Spirit to be able to help us to be able to understand and comprehend what this is all about. So this morning I want to share some things. I want to do sort of a Bible study teaching. It's, it's not normal like the normal preaching that you might hear. It's more of a Bible study. For those of you who like to study the Bible, to look at the Greek and the Hebrew words and see what Scripture says, that's the sort of thing that we'll be doing this morning. And trying to give us an understanding of our minds because God is saying we need to have our minds renewed and transformed so that we understand what he wants to do amongst us. And so that's what I want to do this morning. I want it in the time, short time that's available to do a little bit of Bible study with you. And I want to use the example of Ezekiel's prophecy in uh, Ezekiel 37 about the valley of dry bones and use that as an illustration, as a vehicle to say what I believe God is doing. So I shall be using Ezekiel's prophecy about the dry bones becoming a mighty army. If you look up uh, Ezekiel 37, and just you, those of you may know the story, Ezekiel is given a vision by God, and, and he sees it, and God says to him, what do you see? And Ezekiel says, I see a valley of dry bones. It's full of bones. And God says to him, can these bones live? And it, he says, well, God, you know everything. You know what can happen. And God says to him, speak to these bones. And you know the story, the bones start coming together. He brings the bones together, he puts tendons on them, he makes them flesh. He breathes life into them, the Holy Spirit comes in life. And the bones which were scattered in the valley become like a mighty army. So we look at moving from a, a scattering of dry bones towards becoming a mighty army. That would be the title of this morning's talk, from dry bones to a mighty army. But in the time that I've got available, I want to only talk about the first two stages of this journey. Ezekiel 37 verses 7 to 8 says, The bones came together, bone to bone, and I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them. The bones came together and the tendons and flesh made them come together. As I said, we've been considering what this whole aspect of an apostolic house is all about. And uh, Phil and I have been talking and sharing along with others, but Phil and I particularly have started to live and eat and move and think about almost nothing else. I have gone to bed thinking about apostolic houses. I've been woken up in the middle of the house thinking what an apostolic house is all about. God's sort of starting to download a few things uh, on us because we had no idea what an apostolic house was. And Phil said to me, Dave, he said, what's the difference between a church and an apostolic house? What's the, is it the same thing or, or, or is it different? And I believe in some ways it's the same, 
but it's like two sides of a coin. There's a, it's the same thing, but with a different function. Two sides of the same coin, you might call it. Or something like the Trinity, where we've got one God, but we've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So I see it as the same thing, but with two different functions. So let's have a look at this. The Greek word for church is ecclesia. And those of you that have done Alpha might have done that part of the course which says, what about the church? What is the church? And you might have some sort of understanding that the church is not a building. To some people, a church is a building. There are people in the borough of Ealing that if you haven't got a church building, you aren't a church. Some very high-ranking people in the Church of England believe that you're not a church unless you've got a building. But a church is not a building. We don't join the church as an organisation. It's not an institution. It's not something that you join in that sense, an organisation. The word ecclesia in the Greek, if you look at it, means an assembly. It's a gathering together of people. This is what we are. As we gather together, we are church. As people gather together, we are church. It's the people gathering together that makes church. You see, the Greeks, to the Greeks in the New Testament, if you talk to them about ecclesia, they would see it as an assembly of people set apart to govern the affairs or the state of a nation. So what state or nation are we involved in? We've been made kings. We've been made rulers. We've been made to reign with God. And we're ruling and reigning in the kingdom of God. We are a people that have gathered together to be about governing the kingdom of God, to govern, to rule, and to reign in the kingdom of God. It's about ruling and reigning. I believe that there are only two commandments in Scripture, really only two, which talk about practical issues about the church. The first is in Hebrews 10 and verse 25, where the writer instructs us about not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So the first instruction is regarding church is that we meet together. I don't believe that you can have church by yourself. Some years ago I was uh, asked to be involved in a, uh, a paper that was being written by someone at Moreland's Bible College on the south coast they were writing about the virtual church. This is whereby you sit in front of a television set and you watch the God Channel or something similar and you're having church. Or you look at your computer and sit in front of your computer and you get up something on the internet which is a virtual church. You can see it and experience it and run with it. You can watch the videos, you've got DVDs, you can make telephone calls, you can make email calls but you're not gathering together. And so I don't believe that you can have a virtual church. 
You've got to gather together because church is about assembling, about gathering together. The key thing about church is it's about relationship. And there's something about that physical contact and physically being with one another that makes church so unique and so different. So church is about gathering together. It's about meeting together. But the second command in Scripture is this. In 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 26, Paul tells us that when we come together, we should be all prepared to contribute so that everyone in the church is built up. And so we would encourage everyone to be able to participate, particularly those of you who come here in the last couple of weeks. We are a group of people that encourage you to participate. So if you think you've got something to share, you've got something to do, you've got something to contribute there, don't hesitate to do that. And those of you who have been here a long time, you contribute. Get involved, particularly here on a, on a Sunday morning when we assemble together. But it's getting involved. There are two aspects of this. One is the gathering together, and the other is the action that takes place. We come together, but there is also a need to take action. So you've got some idea. You've probably got a better idea of what church is about because you've experienced that part of it. But what about the apostolic house bit? That seems to be a bit more complicated. The Greek word apostols, A-P-O-S-T-O-L-S, literally means one sent forth. It's a, a delegate. It's a messenger or one sent forth on a mission. And the Greek word apostol, A-P-O-S-T-O-L-E, means a sending, uh, a mission, a sending away or releasing of someone or something. A delegate in an army, it would be like a, someone's been delegated to go out, a consul, and sent out, perhaps as a part of an army or as a part of a fleet that's gone out. So with Lavarne going out, she's going out on mission. We are sending her out. To some extent, every missionary is an apostle because they're sent out. Anybody who is sent out, anybody who goes out is sent out to work for God is an apostle in one way. That's what the word means. It's a sending out, a releasing of someone. And so if we look upon this concept of a fleet or an army going out, being sent out. You can imagine the, a fleet where there are a lot of ships going out. And these different types of ships could be a different type of apostolic ministry. But one of the ships that's in the, fleece, in the fleet there is a aircraft carrier. And just think of the function of an aircraft carrier. An aircraft carrier is one where planes land on them. They go, ships go out, or sorry, the airplanes go out, and then the airplanes come back and they need to land on the aircraft carrier. You remember during the Falklands War, when we went to uh, liberate the Falklands, that there was no landing strips that we could use because they were all being used by the Argentine army and the air forces. And so we had to send the 
uh, uh, aircraft carrier out there, and the aircraft went out from the aircraft carrier, but because they couldn't land anywhere, they had to come back to the aircraft carrier again in order to get refueled, to get more resources, to get more ammunition, to be refreshed, to be maintained. And so think of that in the spiritual sense as well. We need to have places where people who are out there fighting, they're out there doing the work, can come back to be refueled, restored, and to maintain. The object of this kind of battleship is to provide a safe landing place for jet fighters, for fueling and maintenance. And in the past, we as a church and individuals have been given words like landing strips uh, or runways for planes to land on. So there's some sort of similarity coming out in all of this again. You see, if we look at the spiritual side of it, apostolic houses, due to the lack of apostolic houses, many people involved in Christian work, they might well be in churches, or they might be on Christian ministries, have been going out to do the work, but they've got no place to come back to be refreshed, to be restored, to be built up, to be strengthened. And so they just get worn out. It's just like the aircraft has gone out, and it's got nowhere to land, so it just goes to crash into the sea. And there are many ministries today where people and ministries and churches are just crashing because there's no place for refueling, refreshing, restoring, restrengthening again. We need these landing strips. They fought a good battle, but they've not got a place to land. An apostolic house, therefore, I put to you, is a place for restoration and refreshment. It's a place for strengthening. It's a place for providing resources. Just think of Jesus' ministry, particularly regarding his disciples. When Jesus started his ministry, one of the first things he said to his disciples was this. He said, come, follow me. Come. So the first part of Jesus' calling is for us to come. And then right at the end of Jesus' ministry, he says to them, go. Go into all the world and make disciples. So that right at the beginning, there's this coming together, come and be with me. But then there is this going. There is the coming and the gathering together. There's the meeting together. There's the fellowship together. But there is also a need for action as well. There is a sense of doing. We read something similar in the Acts of the Apostles. In Acts 2 and verse 44, we read that the early believers were together and had everything in common. Right in the first early church, they came together. They met in one another's homes. They were together. They loved to be together. They loved to have fellowship. They loved meeting together. And they were together. But then later we read in Acts 8 and verse 1 that a great persecution took place against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Initially there was a coming together and then there was a releasing and they were going out. 
Jesus said you will go out from here into Jerusalem, into Samaria, into all parts of the world. And so there's a need for us to gather together, but there is also a need for us to go out and to be released and to be sent out into the other places. So I'm suggesting to you this morning this very thing, that a church is really about gathering together and assembling together. And an apostolic house is something to do with sending and releasing people. And I believe that this may well involve releasing Phil from what he's doing now and releasing him to do into what God's called for him to do. It will release in some of you from what you're doing at the moment and releasing you into what God has called you to be. I know that there are such things called flying fish. But usually a fish swims in the water. The flying fish do fly as well, but it, the fish is there. It, it, it operates better when it's swimming in water. You don't see many fish flying around like eagles in the mountains and on the high ground because they weren't made to do that. They were made to swim in the water. In the same way, there are many birds which fly underwater, but they were made to fly. And they're best operating if they fly. And some of you will be best operated if you find out what God wants you to do, and you do that, and you don't try to do something which God isn't wanting you to do at this point in time. So we need to find out what God has made us to be, the people that God has made us to be, and there's an element of freedom and a liberty. Fish just love to swim. Birds just love to fly. And when you do what God wants you to do, you'll just love doing it. It'll be a blessing. It won't be a burden. You won't think, oh, I've got to do this. I hate doing this, but I've got to do it. You just love it. And there's an excitement and there's a thrill. And you get energised as a result of this. It doesn't pull you down. It energises you. It releases you. There's a freedom and a liberty by being what you were made to be. One of the prophecies that we had was uh, by Martin Scott. And uh, he said this, it's, uh, we are to become a training place. It's not about church. It's about a training place. It's about a training centre where they are to be trained for life. It's not about building a church. It's about building a resource centre. So it seemed to me that, uh, that church, so what's church is about? It's, it's really about the great command. The great command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbour as yourself. That's the focus of that. There are two things there, aren't there? There's the great command and the great commission. The great command, we are a people who love and worship God and to love one another. The apostolic house, on the other hand, is more about the Great Commission. It's what we do. And what we do is to make disciples, and we work together with God and in partnership with other Christians. The Great Command, the Great Commission. 
coming together and then putting things into, into action. So with that in mind, what has that got to do with equipping the saints for the work of ministry? What about, what's it all about? What does it mean to equip the saints for the work of ministry? Because that's what the elders at the time were telling me. Have a look, turn with me to Ephesians 4 this time. You see in that prophecy uh, of Ezekiel about the bones coming together, it talks about tendons coming together, it talks about ligaments, and you think, what on earth has tendons and ligaments got to do with it? I mean, some of you have been around in a church for a long time. I've been around in church for a long time. I don't remember anybody talking about tendons and ligaments in church. What is, what is tendons and ligaments and sinews and all this got to do with church? It doesn't, it's weird, isn't it? It's very strange. But God's talking about tendons and ligaments here. You know the story here, Ephesians 7. It's about Jesus. And it says that Jesus has appointed gifts to his people. What are these gifts, or who are these gifts? Then it goes on to describe who they are. He says, so Christ himself, verse 11, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There's a need for us to become mature. There's a need for us to be built up. There's a need for us to become the people that we're meant to be and work within that body of Christ. Ephesians 4 verse 16 says this, From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We've got that ligament here again. Didn't realise there was ligaments in church or in the body of Christ. Nobody told me about that. Colossians 2 verse 19 says, The whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God caused it to grow. So these ligaments and these sinews and these tendons seem to be important in the body of Christ. But no one's told me what they are. In fact, I'm not certain I know what a ligament is at one time. I mean, you people that have got medical experience in some way might know what a ligament is or got some idea what it... What's the purpose of it? No one's told me in church. And so I started looking up dictionary definitions. Turn to the dictionary. Don't go always to Winnipeg. Ligaments. I looked up the uh, a Bible Dictionary of Biology, Penguin's reference book. It's a strong band of collagen connecting two bones of a joint. It helps restrict movement to that provided for the shape of joint and prevented it from dislocation. So I looked up the Collins Concise Dictionary as well. What is a ligament? This says, a bond of tough tissues that connects various bones or cartilage. So putting what's in Scripture together with what dictionary definition there is, 
I would summarise ligaments as follows. First of all, the ligaments are what joins the bones together. It fits or fastens them together. So the ligaments or the tendons that we saw in the vision of the valley of dry bones, they come together because of the ligaments or the tendons. They join them, they fit them together. And the ligaments are there to prevent dislocation. You know you can get your shoulder dislocated. You see it particularly in violent sports or rugby or sometimes in football where someone has got himself in a position and suddenly the, the shoulder has come out of joint and they needed to put it back again or your finger gets put back again. It's that relocating or joining together of the bones that we see here in Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 there, verses 12 and 13, is that quote that was given to me about preparing, preparing or equipping or fitting, preparing fully the body, God's people together for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we are all become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The word there is a word in the Greek called katartismos. It says it's, it's fitting things together. That's what it's all about, to complete or make something which is fit for purpose. We see a similar word that's used in Hebrews 11 and verse 3. A similar word is used, katarkiso. It means, literally means aligning things or setting in place uh, a bone that's got put out of place, a broken bone. When you go to the chiropractor, they manipulate your bones to set them back into place again. And so in Hebrews 11, it says the universe was formed or set in place, aligned by God, and he's putting things back in order again at God's command. It's putting back in the way that it was meant to be, as God designed it to be. At the fall, the universe and creation was dislocated it fell apart and God's in the process of repairing that, putting it back and relocating it and realigning it so it does what it's meant to be. And the whole of human history has been punctuated by moves of God as he restores the fullness of his kingdom to the earth. The original word is also used uh, by, uh, in the story of Jesus when he was calling the disciples. You remember the disciples, a lot of them were fishermen and they were mending their nets. Well, mending their nets, it's the same word that's being used here. They were mending or equipping their nets for more fishing. Because when the nets get broken, they can't catch fish. The fish fly away. So you've got to mend them and correct them. And this is what God's doing. He's mending and repairing and putting right and aligning and strengthening and resourcing his people so that when we become fishers and men, the fish don't fly through the net and go somewhere else and we lose them. And so often there are people who are going out fishing, but the fish get through the nets because the nets are broken and they need repairing. And God's in the process of repairing, preparing the nets for more action where they've been torn apart. And part of the apostolic house will consist of rebuilding lives to get them back into work again. 
Martin Scott's prophecy used phrases like people began to find their place and people just discover their destiny. And we see a person with a potential. He spoke of healing and needing a lot of healing from their background. You see, this connects up with the battleships again, with the, the uh, aircraft carrier coming back and somewhere to land and be restored and to be refreshed and be maintained so they can be sent out again. It's about deliverance, and this is not just about casting out demons. There needs to be a transforming of minds. You see the word transforming come in? We need our minds transformed. We need to think as God thinks. We've got to put our minds in the way that God is working, resetting our thinking. So what are these ligaments? What are these tendons that I've been talking about? I believe, as it says here in Ephesians, these ligaments are the five-fold ministries that are mentioned in Hebrews 4. The apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the pastors and teachers. And they're there to equip us for works of service. They don't do all the work. They equip God's people. So we are to be equipped. We are to be trained to become the people that God wants us to be. These gifts need to be identified. These are people with an apostolic gifting with an apostolic anointing to be able to do the work. And we need to be able to identify these to be able to, so they can come along and set us in place and put us in the right position so that we are equipped. We're putting in place the dry bones that are in the valley that, that Ezekiel saw. And when we, we can identify these people, and when they are identified, then we can start moving from being a scattering of dry bones to move in and becoming a mighty army. We are being transformed from a scattering of dry bones into a mighty army of God. A mighty army of God ready to bring about God's kingdom here upon earth. Amen. Amen.